Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. And today I want to talk about faith again. And I'm really excited about it, and I'm glad Anthony's on the front row because he's a good responder. And I need to preach it like I feel it, so I can't have no dry bones on the first couple rows. I need somebody who's going to respond to the Word of God. Now, it's okay if you're quiet in the back. I prefer you're not. But even if you're not, I only hear them anyway. So their response level will reach all the way to the back. So even if you're back and you're quiet because you like to skip out to go to the bathroom all the time when I preach, I see you. I can see you from the front. So uh, it's all right. I'm not too offended by that. You're just missing a great message. But I'm going to preach this today like I feel it because I'm talking about faith and words this morning. And I'm really excited about it. Now, if you've been here at all the past few weeks, and I encourage you to get the podcast, I cannot recap everything that I've said for the past two weeks. We preach in series on purpose because they're supposed to build on each other. It's not supposed to be one isolated message. It's like, no, you, you heard the first week and the second week builds on the first week and the the third week builds on the second week, and the fourth week it goes one after another after another, line upon line, precept upon precept. And so that first week we talked about why faith is even important. Why does it matter? And last week we talked about what faith is. And this morning I want to talk about words of faith. Words of faith. So let's turn to 1 John 5, 4. This is a key verse for this series. It says, For whatever is born of God... Now, that's you if you're born again. Overcomes the world. And notice, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So today we're going to talk about words of faith, words of faith. Now, We're talking this morning, I want to share a little bit of what we shared last week so we can build on it this week, but faith is believing you have it before you see it. Faith is believing you have received it before you feel it. Faith is believing in the supernatural before you see it in the natural. It's believing in the unseen before you see it in the seen. Now, we're going to build on that today, but let's go back to Hebrews 11.1 1, because that's foundational and that's what we shared last week. So faith is believing you have it before you see it and it's believing you receive it before you feel it. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, how can you believe you have it before you see it? How can you believe you have received something from God before you feel it or sense it? How can you do that? You can do that by taking God at his word. Knowing that God's word is true and that's all I need for evidence. I believe that God's word is true and that's all the proof that I need that it is fact in my life. Faith is believing you have it and you have received it before you see it or feel it or touch it or hear it or smell it 
Before you sense it at all, faith is believing God at his word that what he says is true beyond what I see and beyond what I feel. And if he says it, it's true. And if he says it's yours, it's yours. And if he says it belongs to you, you believe it belongs to you. That's simple faith. But here's the other side of faith. If you're really in faith, there will be a day you will see it. You will touch it. You will smell it. You will hear it. You will experience it if it's really faith. So yeah, you start believing it before you see it or before you hear it, before you feel it. But if it's really faith, you will see it in the future. St. Augustine, he was an early church father, said this, Faith is to believe what you do not see. But the reward of faith is to see what you have believed. Faith is to believe what you do not see. But the reward of this faith is to see what you have believed. Let's look at a passage in John 20, 29. Jesus talking to Thomas who was known as Doubting Thomas. John 20, 29. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. How many know that doesn't take any faith? But notice what Jesus says. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, why was Jesus pleased with that? Why are they blessed? Because that is faith. Faith. Blessed are those who, who have not seen and yet believe. So let's turn back to Hebrews 11 and verse 1. We'll start there. So faith is to believe in what you do not see, and the reward of faith is to see what you have believed. But there's something I want to share about today that's so important with faith, and we're going to get into Hebrews 11 and continue this, but Your Bible talks about faith, and it says that real, genuine faith has to be two places for it to work. If it's genuine faith, and we're going to see, trust me, today, we got a lot of teaching and a lot of scriptures we want to go through today. You're going to see a pattern in all these scriptures of men and women of faith. That faith always has to be in two places in the life of a believer for it to work. Stay with me. Now, last week, we kind of emphasized one side of that, and that's the believing part. That's the believing in the heart part. But your Bible says for faith to really work, faith has to be in your heart. You need to believe it, but it has to be in your mouth. You need to say it. And it's not good enough that you just believe it. Because faith is only released when you speak it. So we're going to see this pattern all throughout scriptures that true, genuine faith in your life, in my life, and all the heroes of faith in the Bible has to be in two places. In your heart, believing it. That's what we've been talking about since last week. But you need to say it out of your mouth because faith is released in your words. Hebrews 11 and verse 1, New King James. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, 
the elders, that's all the people that went before us, obtained a good testimony. Verse 3, for by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen are not made of things which are visible. Now let's read it from the message. I love this. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Let's stop there. Can we go back to verse 1? Notice he said, this faith makes life worth living. Now, if we jump back to the first week, and I didn't read this the first week, but I've been thinking about this because this is what I talked about the first week. I said, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And, and God said, if you're not living by faith, you're not really living. You're just existing. You're not really living. And the Bible says in the message, I love it, it says that faith is the thing that makes your life worth living. If you don't have faith, your life is not worth living. If you don't have faith, you're not really living. You're just existing. You're just going through the motions. Nothing's changing. Nothing's moving. But it says here in the message, I love the way it brings this out, faith is the thing that makes your life worth living. I mean, faith is so important, it makes your life worth living, this faith life. Now let's continue. It's our handle on what we can't see. Now, how many know that life sometimes feels out of control? It feels overwhelming. It feels confusing sometimes. It feels like it's just wild. And this life is wild. We live in a fallen, broken world with sin in it and sickness in it and, and mental issues in it. And we live in a body, and our flesh is fighting against us, and the enemy is fighting against us, and the world is fighting against us, but faith is the victory that overcomes the world. But I love it. It says that faith is the thing that gives us handles on what we can't see. It would say it in James later that your faith and your words are like a, a steering wheel that can turn the ship of your life in the right direction. No matter how stormy the waters are, if you have the handle on the boat, you can make it to the other side. It uses the example in the book of James about faith and words, and it says no matter how wild the horse is, if you, you have a handle on it, you can steer it in the right direction. That's what your faith does. No matter how crazy the world gets, and it will get crazier, you have something to help control your life and your future and your peace and your joy. And you have something that's bigger than what you can see. There's something that's unseen. And your faith gives you a handle on this life. So you don't go crazy like everybody else. So you don't lose it like everybody else. So even when stuff comes, you can steer your life in the right direction by your faith in God. And that gives you a handle on what you cannot see. Come on, are you picking up what I'm laying down so far today? It gives you a handle on it. I love that. Because many Christians are living life with their hands off the wheel. 
<laughs> whatever the Lord's will is will be whatever will happen will happen. No, well, come on now, somebody. No, whatever will happen is what the devil will happen. That's what will happen. No, let's talk real talk. No, come on now, somebody. Don't give me this whatever will happen will happen. Whatever will happen is the devil will stomp you in the ground and blame it on God. That's what will happen. That the enemy, the world, and your flesh will dominate you, and you'll say you're a victim, but you're a victor the whole time because you said whatever will happen will happen. No. God says faith in me, you can get a handle on things. Now, once again, I'm not saying your power. I'm saying your faith in his power is what's going to turn those situations. Not your power. Your faith in his power. Now, all he requires of you is you just believe. <laughs> he said, I'll take care of it. You just believe. I don't need you to heal yourself. I just need you to believe. I don't need you to deliver yourself. I just need you to believe. I don't need you to get yourself out of poverty. You just believe me. I don't need you to heal yourself of depression. I just need you to believe me. I'll do the heavy work. I'll do the heavy lifting. I just need you to believe me. But faith gives you a handle on it to tap into God's power, to turn the ship of your life. Faith gives you a handle. Okay, we got to go because I got a lot of notes. We're right here, y'all. I, I got a lot to say. Are you getting something so far? So it gives you a handle on what we cannot see. Let's pull this back up here. It gives you a handle on it. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. By faith, notice we see the world called into existence by God's word. What we see created by what we do not see. I love that. By faith, we see the world in the whole universe called into existence by God's word word what we see created by what we do not see so i want to continue today and we're talking about words and faith and why is it so important no once again where does faith need to be it needs to be in two places in your heart you got to believe it and in your mouth you got to say it it can't be just in your believing and it can't just be in your speaking it needs to be in your believing and you're speaking for it to work. That's a principle all throughout God's word. So we, we see here that the writer of Hebrews says, by faith, we see that the worlds were created by the words of God. They were called into existence by the, the words of God, by faith. So let's look at that because that's an example for us today. Let's look at Genesis 1. In verse 1, we realize that we serve a God who's a God of faith. And if we are his children, we should be people of faith. But God gives us an example on how he uses his faith. How does God use his faith? He believes in his heart and he says out of his mouth, what he wants to happen, what he believes to happen. He calls into existence what he wants to become. And it's interesting, like I said, the writer of Hebrews picks this up 
And that's one of the first examples he gets, gives in the, the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. He says, by faith, whose faith? God's faith. The, word, the worlds were framed by the word of God. So let's see when this happened. Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Let's stop right here. So the writer of Hebrews is referring to this moment right here. By faith, the worlds were framed by the word of God. By faith, everything that we see that has come into existence was called by the words of God. Now, why is words so important? Because faith is released or put into action by words. So we see here, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and there was darkness. There, there wasn't the beautiful world we see today. There was darkness. It says it was void or pointless or useless. That's what God saw. And God gives us an example of what he does when he sees something, he doesn't want to see. He's a God of faith. And God looked out at the world that was formless and dark and void. And he didn't like that. And it wasn't aligned with his will. So he called what he wanted, not what he saw. He called what he wanted, not what he felt. He called what he wanted to see, not what he saw in the natural. It's so important, but notice nothing happened to the world or the universe until God said something. Now stay with me here. It's true that God was probably thinking about what he wanted to happen. But nothing happened just because God was thinking about it. It's true that God was believing in his heart that he wanted something different to happen. But nothing happened when he was just believing in his heart. It only changed when God said something. Because faith is released and put into action by our words. So I'm all for you thinking the right things. Yes, do that. You need to. That's a good starting place. Yes, I'm all for you believing in your heart, but nothing in your life will change until you start speaking to it. Because words are only released and put into action by our faith. We got to say it. Nothing happened until God said something. Not just believed it, not just thought it, because a lot of Christians are there. I'm thinking good thoughts. I'm believing in my heart, but what are you saying? Because faith is only released and put into action when you say it. 
So important, and God gave us this example. God said, and then God saw. God said what he wanted, not what he saw. If it was us, this is what it would go like. Sure is dark. On Facebook, sure is dark. Because you're trying to get them sympathy comments on your post. Y'all know what I'm saying. That's why I'm not on Facebook. But I hear about y'all. Sure is void. Sure is pointless. Don't even know why he's tried to create this universe. Probably should give up. Feeling irritated. Feeling angry. Emoji face. But God didn't say what he saw or what he felt. He said what he wanted to see. That's faith. And what he said brought what he wanted to see into existence. But notice the order. God said, and then God saw. What do we want? This is not faith. We want to see, and then we'll say something. You want to feel better before you start saying, I'm healed. That's not the way it works. You want to get out of debt before you start saying you're prosperous. That's not the way it works. You want to be not depressed anymore before you start saying you have peace. No, that's not the way it works. You got to say, and then you will see. And we see that all throughout Genesis, it repeats itself time and time. Again, it says God said, and then God saw. 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 That's real faith. I want to ask you this morning, when is the last time you said something different than what you're seeing or experiencing? And then you're complaining about you being stuck and they're not changing. Because your words are reinforcing your stuckness. Your words are reinforcing your sickness. Your words are reinforcing your depression. Your words are reinforcing your poverty. Your words are reinforcing your dysfunction and your trauma and your abuse and your issues. Am I helping somebody in this Methodist church? We're talking about words and faith. Words are the thing that releases your faith. They put them into your action. Yes, think right thoughts. That's great. Yes, believe in your heart. That's wonderful. You need it for faith to work. But you got to release your words or nothing will change. Nothing will happen any differently. Because faith is released in words. So we see this pattern. What did God do in the beginning? First of all, he didn't say what he felt or what he saw. He said what he wanted to see. He said what he wanted to hear. He said what he wanted to experience. He didn't say what he saw. He said what was in his heart and what his will was. Also, we see the principle, God said it before he ever saw it. Why? Because faith believes it before you see it. But the reward of faith is to see what you have been believing for. Now, why doesn't it work that quickly for us? Because we're not God. We're made in the image and likeness of God, but our faith is not developed to God's level, is it? So when you speak, an ocean doesn't form. When you speak... A universe doesn't form because you're not on God's faith level yet. 
But you are his child, and he gave you a measure of faith to use. And your faith can work for you in your life. But how does this faith work? It works in our heart, and it works in our mouth. we got to say it before we see it. Now, now stay with me because you're saying, well, that's a stretch. Why, would, why are you trying to say that we can speak and have faith and God does stuff? Well, because God said it. Now, I'm going to give you a lot of examples today, but let's go a little bit further in Genesis 1 and 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. It's a big word. Dominion's like a, like a kingship word, meaning you're in charge. God said that about man for this earth. You're going to be in charge here. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over everything on earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Let's jump to Genesis 2 and verse 7. Still talking about creating mankind. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now let's stop right there. So God is a God of faith. He believes in his heart. He says out of his mouth to release his faith. And then he said he created man in his own image. Just like him. To operate just like he does, which is faith. And he says, I'm going to create this man, man and woman, and they're going to have dominion on the earth. How many church people do you hear talking like this? But that's your Bible just in the first few chapters. Have dominion. You don't hear being walked over by the devil, the world, and the flesh in these first few verses. He said, I'm going to create you, and you're going to have dominion over everything, every, every animal, every plant, everything that's going on on this earth. I'm giving you dominion. But how is that dominion released? In words. In words. Adam was going to have dominion, but his dominion was not going to be in him fighting somebody else for dominion. It wasn't going to be in politics. It wasn't going to be in wars. It was going to be in words before the fall happened. Adam was going to have dominion in this world through his words. Are you still with me? But notice what it says in Genesis 2-7. It says that God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living being. Really, in the original, a better way to say that is 
They say the Hebrew people that have studied this out, that man became a living being, the better way to say that is man became a speaking spirit. That man was going to be distinct compared to everything else in the creation because he was going to have the ability to speak and his words have power. Now, why is he a speaking spirit? Because God is a speaking spirit. And if you're created in the image and likeness of God, then you're going to be a speaking spirit just like God is. And how are you going to release dominion like God does? By your words. Are you getting what I'm saying so far today? Man became a speaking spirit. The plants and the mountains and the seas do not have dominion. The animal kingdom even though they're wonderful and they're intelligent to some level, they are not created in the same image and likeness of God. But there's one being that has a spirit, just like God is a spirit, and that is mankind. And God said, I'm going to create you and breathe into you the breath of light. But what will be different about you is you're not just going to be a spirit. You're going to be a speaking spirit just like I am. And I release my faith by my words, and you're going to release your faith by your words. I release my dominion by my words, and you're going to release your dominion by your words. And you're going to be different from everything else because I'm going to create you a speaking spirit. That's the way God created us. That our dominion... Or our faith, however you want to say it, is released through words just like God's dominion and faith is released through words. You still follow me today? Let's look at another example of this in the Bible. I got several. Abraham, the father of our faith. Romans 4, 16 and 17. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17, As it is written, I made you a father of many nations, in the presence of whom he believed. Notice he said, God, who gives life to the dead, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So, once again, Abraham had revelation on what faith is. Because Abraham refers, once again, back to Genesis. The real faith is in your heart, but it's in your mouth. And he says, I believe in the God who back in the beginning called things that did not exist as though they did. And he brought them into existence. And it says that that faith that was in Abraham is the same faith that's in us which was the same faith that was in Adam, that was the same faith that was in God. How does that faith work? It works in your heart and it works in your mouth. But Abraham said, I believe in the God who calls those things to be not as though they were. He calls into existence what he wants to happen. But you notice that Abraham followed God's example in his life of faith. What did he do? He believed in his heart. That he would be a father of many nations. It says that very clearly in this passage in Romans 4. That Abraham was absolutely certain. That's believing in your heart. That what God said he would do. And it was true. But also 
Abraham spoke words of faith to bring it to pass in his life. So what did Abraham do? God called Abraham the father of many nations, but before he was Abraham, he was Abram. He changed his name to Abraham, so it means father of many nations. So for 25 years, Abraham confessed God's word over his life and said, not only do I believe this in my heart, but I'm going to confess I am a father of many nations because he was using the same example that God did in the beginning. He called into existence those things that did not exist. He spoke words of faith. And Abraham... For 25 years, believed in his heart and confessed in his mouth, I'm a father of many nations. I'm 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 the father of many nations. Because God said he was the father of many nations. But it didn't work until Abraham started saying it. Because faith is released through words. And, of course, we know the end of the story. He had Isaac was, was the promised son. And we see today God's word is true. There's billions of people on the planet that trace their roots back to Abraham. So he's the father of many nations. And God said about Abraham that in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And we know that Jesus came through the line of Abraham. That's true. God supernaturally brought all those things to pass in Abraham's life. But Abraham had to call for things he wanted just like God did in the beginning. He had to speak it into existence. He had to say it before he saw it because faith is released in words. Are you still here today? Let's look at Proverbs 18.21. We heard about Abraham in faith. Let's look at Solomon in, in these words of faith. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it and indulge in it will eat its fruit. And notice, and bear the consequences of their words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You ever heard that term, you're going to eat your words? Got from this verse. Because the truth is, all of us are already eating our words. I guess the better question would be, how does it taste? Does your life taste good or does it taste bad? Does it taste bitter or does it taste sweet? Because you're already eating your words because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will bear the consequences of their words. Now, I was thinking about this, but we emphasize words, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Why are words so important? Because every time you speak, you release your faith. But notice in this passage, it means that your words are so powerful, that means you can release your faith in the good and the bad, in the blessing or the curse, in life or in death, because every time you speak words, you're releasing your faith in either God's ability or the enemy's ability. 
And you bring God's ability and life into your life by your words, just like you bring the enemy's ability and his plan into your life by your words. But it's your choice. So words are so important. Life and death, that's what Solomon said. Because every time you speak, you release your faith. In life or death, in blessing or cursing. All happens right here. Because whatever we believe, we speak and we release our faith in it. Just, just ask yourself that question. What do I see in my life? Maybe it's because the way I'm talking. Not every time, but a lot of times, maybe I'm speaking this death into my life and releasing my faith, but I don't even see it. I'm complaining, and I'm gossiping, and I'm wondering why I'm bitter. And I'm wondering why I'm angry. And I'm wondering why I have physical issues. And I wonder why I'm depressed. Maybe because death and life is in the power of your tongue. And every time you speak, you release words of faith. Now let's look at Romans 10 in verse 8. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Romans 10. And we're going to go slowly through this, but notice what he says. But what does it say? The word is near you in your, in your, and in your heart. Now, where does faith have to be? Two places. In your heart, in your mouth. Notice what Paul says. That is, the word of faith which we preach. Let's leave this here. Notice what he's saying. This message on faith has to be in your mouth and in your heart because that's how faith works. And then he says, this is the word of faith which we preach. Now I want to talk about that for a second. What is the word of faith that we preach? Well, I would say if you don't go to a church that you don't feel more faith when you leave than when you came in, you're going to the wrong church. Because they're not preaching the word of faith. Because if they're preaching the word of faith, doesn't matter what the subject, faith is going to come to you because they're preaching words of faith. And if you're not in a church or listening to preachers that bring faith to you, you need to run for your life. Because the Apostle Paul said it needs to be the word of faith that you preach. And believe me, there's hundreds of churches in this community right now that ain't preaching nothing close to faith. Then what you preaching? Be nice. Uh, go to the Christian bookstore if those are still open. Try to be a Christian. They ain't preaching nothing that's going to help you live. Were they preaching doubt and unbelief? They're preaching stuff like if the Lord wills it, it might happen. If he's not, you're probably going to die of cancer. You know, good for you. God bless you. We'll leave. We don't know what God's going to do anyways. You don't know because you don't know your Bible, buddy. 
All right, are you, are you here with me or not? Because the Bible doesn't talk like that. Just people that don't know the Bible talk like that. Paul said, now everybody says Paul's their best friend, right? Every denomination. Paul is our scholar. Paul is the greatest theologian who ever lived. I went to seminary and know exactly all his trips. He took to Asia Minor, and he went to Thessaloniki, and he went to Galatia. But what the heck do you live of any of it? Oh, I forgot this was Sunday morning service. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's be real. But how is that helping you? How is the map section of your Bible helping you? Come on now, somebody. How is the commentary written by someone who has taught no one but theological students and never lived in a real life ever in their life telling you how to live your life when they don't even know themselves? The people that they say that the Apostle Paul is the greatest theologian that ever lived says, I'm preaching the word of faith. That when I preach, faith is coming to people. That when I preach, it's not this doubt and unbelief that most preachers preach. I'm preaching faith. And when I preach, whatever the subject, faith's going to come to them. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it says that this faith is in your heart and in your mouth. I'm going to step on some more toes because I ain't done with this section yet. Now, you've heard it said before, a lot of times when people refer to people that are in our camp or company or churches like us, they say they're word of faith. That's where we got this language from the Apostle Paul. He said, it's the word of faith that I preach. But then there's been a lot of people in the body of Christ try to mock word of faith people. It's that name it and claim it bunch. It's that blab it and grab it bunch. It's that confession brings possession bunch. How about we call it, it's the Bible bunch? Because God did that. I could give you Abraham did that. Moses did that. Joshua and Caleb did that. David did that. Solomon did that. Jesus did that. The Apostle Paul did that. So if you say the name it and claim it bunch and the blab it and grab it bunch and the confession brings possession bunch and the word of faith bunch, then all your heroes of the faith are in that camp with us. All of the heroes of faith lived just like that. They believed in their heart and they spoke faith out of their mouth. All of them. So my question is, why aren't you word of faith? And trust me, this church, we're not under denomination. We're non-denominational. We just try to preach the Bible the best we can. We don't affiliate with anybody. We're a hybrid church. A little bit Pentecostal, a little bit Baptist, a little charismatic, a little word of faith, a little Methodist. We got everything in us in here. I like it that way. Because no denomination has the full story. I love Dr. Sermon said, hey, if the Catholics are moving with God, I'm a Catholic. If the Methodists are moving with God, I'm a Methodist. If the Pentecostals are moving with God, I'm Pentecostal. I'm like that too. I ain't got no team. 
all right, I got to get back on my message. But notice what Paul said. What is the word of faith we preach? It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. Now, if that verse was the only verse I had, it would be enough. But we got to get into the next two verses because in case you didn't get it the first time, the way faith is lived and released, he repeats himself on what faith really does. So Romans 10, in verse 8, let's read it again. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9, that if you confess with your that the Lord Jesus and believe in your Are you seeing this again? Is it just me? Or am I, am, I, am I reading the right verse? It says, with your mouth you confess and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let's stop right here. The Apostle Paul repeats himself three stinking times, y'all, about what the word of faith is. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. But specifically here, he's talking about getting saved. How do you get saved? you got to believe it in your heart and confess it out of your mouth, and then you will be saved, right? But it's not good enough that it's just in your heart or you wouldn't be saved, correct? You have to say something. Why do you have to say something? Because words release your faith. (laughs) So it has to be in your heart and in your mouth. In your heart and in your mouth. In your heart and in your mouth. But notice it says, For with the heart one believes into righteousness, and then with the mouth the confession is made, notice, unto salvation. But there's a principle because what is the word of faith? What is faith? It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. But if it works for salvation this way, it works in every other promise that God has given you this same way. So if you get saved by believing in your heart and confessing out of your mouth, you get healed by believing in your heart and confessing out of your mouth. And you become peaceful by believing in your heart and confessing out of your mouth. And you become joyful by believing in your heart and confessing out of your mouth. And your relationships get better by believing in your heart and confessing out of your mouth. And you get delivered by believing in your heart and confessing out of your mouth. If it works for salvation, it works in every other area. Because that's faith. You're still here today. So, faith is released in our words. I'm going to give you one last example. And it's Jesus. If Paul didn't convince you, if Solomon didn't convince you, if Abraham didn't convince you, and the Father God in the beginning of time. Let's just, let's just throw out one more example. For those of you in here who have a hard heart towards words and faith. 
Mark 11. Let's turn there. Are you guys getting something this morning? About 50% of you look like you love me. About 50% of you look like you're irritated right now. But it's all right. You should be challenged. So if that's what you're feeling, it's good. You're in the right church. Because words of faith release God's ability. So with all these people we read today, true, genuine faith believes in their heart, really believes God, and what else? They confess or they speak words of faith with their mouth because faith is released in words or put into action. So we see that in Abraham's life, in Solomon's life, in Paul's life, and there's more examples. But Jesus, teaching his disciples, he gave them an example and lesson on faith. So Mark 11, verse 12. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar off a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And in response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now let's stop right here. So Jesus is giving an example to his disciples, and we're going to see the rest of the story in a second. He's walking. He sees a fig tree who doesn't have fruit. How many know fig trees are supposed to have fruit? So it was something that shouldn't be the way it was. And Jesus used it as an example to his disciples. And he said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. But notice it says, in response, Jesus said to it. In the King James, it says, he answered it. A tree. Jesus is talking to a tree, y'all. <laughs> He's, let me remind you, Jesus is, for those of you who say word, faith, people are crazy. Jesus is talking to a tree, y'all. And it says he answered it, or in response to it, Jesus said, no one's going to eat fruit of you Hereafter, why? He, he believed in his heart and he spoke words of faith. But notice it says he answered it. And I love this because I was listening to Dr. Dufresne earlier this week. He answered it. What was the tree saying then? What was the tree saying? Why he got pick on the trees? You know what I'm saying? All you green people and recycled people. You're going to have an offense about Jesus right here. Because there's nowhere he says he replanted another tree somewhere else. He just said, tree, you're done. I'm tired of it. He was probably a little hangry at the moment when he said that. Because why he got to pick on a tree, though? You're cursed in my name. No one can eat f- fruit from you hereafter. I'm like, why you got to pick on the tree, though? He must have been really hungry and was just irritated at the tree. But he's showing his disciples an example of what faith is. So let's get back to this. He answered the tree. Jesus is talking to a tree. 
But he's trying to show his disciples an example of faith. I love it. Dr. Dufresne said, what did the tree say? He said, I ain't giving you no breakfast, no lunch, and no dinner. That's what the tree said to him. And Jesus answered back to it. But notice, the tree did not have ears or eyes or a mouth. The tree wasn't saying anything to him, but the lack of fruit was saying something to him. How many know there's circumstances in your life that they're not actually talking to you, but they're talking to you? When you look at your bank account, it's talking to you, isn't it? When you feel your body sometimes, it's talking to you, isn't it? There's a lot of things in life that don't physically have a mouth and that are talking, but they're talking. By either their dysfunction or their, their lack of fruit, whatever the situation may be, circumstances of life are talking to you and you have to answer it. Just like Jesus answered the fig tree because it didn't have any fruit. He was showing you an example that you can talk to things and they will obey you because that's how faith is released. And if situations and circumstances talk to you, talk back. Don't just put up with it. Don't just say whatever will be, will be. Don't just say I have no control over this. Put some faith on it and talk back. A lot of you know how to talk back. You just do it in the wrong direction. Talk back to your boss. Talk back to your pastor. Talk back to your parents. Talk back to, okay, that's a good attitude, but talk back to the devil, not them. They're trying to help you. And for some reason in the church world, we've gotten so stinking soft because we need to walk in love, not with the devil. Literally everyone else but the devil. <laughs> you need to talk your talk to the devil. You need to talk back to circumstances. You need to talk back to lack. You need to talk back to depression. You need to talk back to physical issues. You need to talk back to loneliness. You need to talk back to anxiety. Don't let it talk to you. Are your ears okay? Sorry, I'm yelling. That happens sometimes when I get a little bit excited. I'm making up for your lack of excitement by your listening to me this morning. But you got to talk back. And Jesus answered, it says, in response to it. He picked on the stinking fig tree. Because it wasn't what he wanted to see. And he started speaking. Why? Because that's how faith is released. Now, I could see where you could say, well, you just can't take that story from the Bible and pull it out and say it's about faith. Well, Jesus says it's about faith. We're going to go a few verses later. He picks up the same story and says why he did it. You with me? You want to see this? In your Bible. Mark 11. Wow, I'm a little too excited. I'm bringing it down a notch. Mark 11. No, Anthony said go ahead. I will go ahead. Thank you. Mark 11 and verse 20. This is the next day. It says, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. 
And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, or that means teacher, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And Jesus, this was what he was waiting for to teach him. He said, Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. Now, some translations will say, have the God kind of faith. Now, what does he tell them? For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. In verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you have received them and you will have them. Now that's faith. That's faith. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? Words of faith. Faith has to be in your heart and in your mouth. We see all throughout your Bible. I've given you many examples and I could give you many more. All these people of faith, how did they release it? By believing in their heart and speaking words out of their mouth. Abraham did. Solomon did. David did. Paul did. God did in the beginning of the creation. And Jesus taught his disciples, this is how faith works. This is how faith lives. This is the God kind of faith, and you have it now. And so he showed them a real-life example about he didn't want a fig tree with no fruit, so he cursed it. And the next day, the tree was withered from the roots. And he said, listen, disciples, that's how faith works. When you see something that shouldn't be in your life, you got to speak to it. When you see something that shouldn't be in your body, you got to speak to it. When you see something that shouldn't be in your family, you got to speak to it. When you see something that shouldn't be in your community, you got to speak to it. And it's not just Jesus can do this. He said, you disciples, you can do this. Because he turned to them and said, now guys, whatever you say, And whatever you believe in your heart. And when you see that mountain and you tell it to be cast into the sea, you will have whatever. You say, no, see, he didn't say, I'm the only person that will have this. He said, you guys will have it. Why? Because you have the same faith now that I have. And faith works in your heart and in your words. I love that. So for every one of you in here, I want you to hear my voice this morning. If you are born again, you have the same God kind of faith on the inside of you right now. But it will not be released or put into action until you start speaking. I know a lot of you believe some things. That's great. But start speaking because faith is released in your words. And just like Jesus did, just like Paul did, just like Solomon did, just like Abraham did, just like all these men and women of faith did, they believed and then they spoke their faith. Jesus said, you will have whatever you say. That's the God kind of faith. Let's read this one more time. I love this. In Mark 11, let's... Look up 22, if we could pull it up. Mark eleven twenty two, 22. 
Jesus said, have faith in God. Verse 23. For truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Now what's a mountain? Mountain something that's getting in the way of your life. Whatever it is, it's an obstacle. And he says, whatever you say, that's your mouth, and does not doubt in his heart, that's your believing, but believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says in verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. Can I get the praise team to come up for a moment? We're going to close with this this morning. I think it's good that we just stand up a second and we sing some songs of faith. You know, when you sing a song that's scriptural, you're confessing the word. When you're singing it, when you're speaking it, and I'm going to encourage you guys, you guys can stand up with me. Let's speak some things over our families right now. Let's speak some things over our minds right now. Let's speak some things over our bodies right now. Let's speak some things over our church right now. And we're going to sing this song, The Blessing. And I want us to declare our faith. Because faith has to be in your heart and in your mouth. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.